So I want to begin with a quote today. I'm, I'm reading quite a few books in my study of Acts, and one of my favorites is How to Start a Riot by Jonathan Stormont, and he writes, When I read stories of these earliest Christians and then look at the way we're perceived today, I wonder, where do we go wrong? How do we get to be known as the kind of people who are so arrogant and mean about what we think when these first Christians were so gentle and kind about what they believed? I just, I just think that's so powerful. And Alan talked about a, opinions and preferences and things that get in the way. And Doug made reference to churches that split and get upset about some stuff. And that's really going to come into play in our text today. We're in a study of the book of Acts, and we, uh, we're learning how to be witnesses. And we're going to be in Acts 15 today. I've, I've waited all week to preach this lesson. Acts 15 is a turning point in this book. Acts 15 is a turning point in the history of the church. So let's see what's going on in Acts 15. I'm going to go kind of fast through Scripture to get to some things. So here's what's going on in Acts 15. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem and see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. And some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said... The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to discuss this question. So here's what's going on in Acts. Just to give you a quick review of of 14 chapters. God's people, the Jews, have been God's people for a long time. And now the Gentiles are entering the picture. And the apostles and the disciples are going and teaching and baptizing Gentiles. And there's some Jews that don't like that. It's okay if you want to be baptized. It's okay if you want to turn to Christ. But you need to be circumcised if you want to be saved. You need to follow the law of Moses if you want to be saved. So they're putting restrictions on salvation. Now, I'm not going to tell you everything about circumcision. You can go look that up and teach your children. But let me just say that circumcision is a lot more than a surgical procedure. It was God's mark on His people. It showed that you belonged to God. It showed that you had been cut in a covenant with God. It showed that you were one of God's people. And so to come along and say to the Gentiles that you don't have to be circumcised, you don't have to be marked To be one of God's people? No, 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 no. If we had to do it, you have to do it. And they're pretty upset about it. To the point that there's some debate going on. Now, you need to know, and we're going to learn, circumcision has nothing to do with salvation. Not to the Jews. The Jews thought, no, 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 no. Circumcision has everything to do with being in covenant relationship with God. 
And so really it's an age-old question. Really it's a question that's still being asked. What really matters? What do I need to do to be saved? What marks me in a way that I know I'm one of God's people? To the Jews, it's circumcision and obeying the law of Moses. To the Gentiles, they're like, hey, we're just following Jesus. So we need to have the first church business meeting. And we're going to bring all kinds of people together to discuss this. And here's what we're going to find out. After much discussion, Peter got up. You're going to have several people get up in this audience. And Peter's going to get up and he's going to say, Look, God made a choice. And God decided that the Gentiles needed to hear the message. And God showed that He accepted them. And God made no distinction between us and them. And God poured His Holy Spirit out on them. So why would we put a yoke on them that we're not even able to bear? Why would we want them to follow the law when we can't even follow the law? So Peter gets up and he says, look, God's already doing some things. God's already accepted the Gentiles. God's already shown there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. And already you know they're probably a little irritated. Because Paul's going to write in Galatians, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. There are no distinctions when it comes to salvation. But these Jewish people are saying, no, 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 no. There is a distinction. It's called circumcision. And you have to do it if you want to be saved. And there's been people for thousands of years saying, you've got to do this or this or this or this in order to be saved. So what do I need to do to be saved? And Peter gets up and says, it's not circumcision that saves you. It's not the law that saves you. No, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we're saved, period. And I know folks don't like the period, but the period is not circumcision, not the law, It's obedience to Jesus. So Peter gets up and he says some things. And then the crowds get silent. The whole assembly became silent. And then Barnabas and Paul get up and they they say the same thing Peter did. Look, God's already been working through us. God's already been working and doing signs and wonders and some great things through us in order to receive the Gentiles. So Paul and Barnabas gets up. And and then James. then, Then James, the brother of Jesus, gets up. So there's a little credibility here. And he says, look, brothers, listen to me. Simon's described to you how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself and the words of the prophets. And he quotes all this stuff. And he says, look, God's already showed he wants to include the Gentiles. God's already showed that he wants to let more people into the kingdom. And then he says, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. He said we should not make it difficult. In one short speech, he gets up and he condenses 613 laws into two commands. Warren Wiersbe says two commands and two concessions. I like that. He condenses everything down and he says, here's the two commands. They were, the believers were to avoid idolatry and immorality. The concessions are that they willingly abstain from eating blood and meat from animals who had died from strangulation. Whereas we said, this is a doctrinal decision about salvation and it's a practical decision about how to live the Christian life. Now think about it. You've got Jews and Gentiles that are coming together 
sitting across the table, sitting in the same church, partaking of the same communion with two totally different backgrounds. So how are we going to get along? Two commands, two concessions. I mean, we need to get along, right? Wiersbe says, the legalistic Jews willingly gave up insisting that the Gentiles had to be circumcised to be saved, and the Gentiles willingly accepted a change in their eating habits. They didn't have to follow those eating habits. But as we've heard from these speakers, hey, there's got to be some give and take if people are going to get along. There's got to be some give and take in a relationship. There's got to be give and take in marriage. There's got to be give and take at work. There's got to be give and take when it comes to being in a church Family. So it's a compromise. It's a compromise that did not compromise the truth of the gospel. It's a compromise that promoted unity among the believers. Listen, it's a compromise that was a powerful witness to everybody else saying, look at those Jews and Gentiles getting along. Wow, that must be God who's enabled them to do that. What a great compromise. And so as you've already heard in a prayer and a communion talk, church should not be about privileges. Church should not be about opinions and preferences. Church should be about removing barriers. We should not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. I like the tweet I followed this week from Lisa. I don't know how to say her name. Turkhurst. She said, Do we want to make a point with our opinion or make a difference with Jesus? Andy Stanley says, maybe it's time to let go of what you're currently doing and embrace what you were originally called to do. Wow. So what happens? We're going to write a letter. Apostles and elders with the whole church decide to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And they chose Judas and Silas. And they sent this letter and said, look, We've heard that some people went out from among us and they disturbed you and troubled you. So we all agreed to choose some men. We all agreed. And so they, 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 you know, here's what this letter is. But check this out. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I mean, we prayed about this. We got a bunch of people together. And we believe the Holy Spirit has blessed this decision. We believe the Holy Spirit is, the Holy, it's good to the Holy Spirit and us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You're, not to, you're, to, you're to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You'll do, you will do well to avoid these things. So, what does that have to do with us? we got this church business meeting in Acts 15. You've got people that don't get along in Acts 15, so what are we going to do? Well, we need to follow the Bible, but you know what? Sometimes there's got to be some concessions. You know, a few years ago, we hired a church consultant here to work with us at Pine Tree. You can define that any way you want. You know why you hire a church consultant? Because people aren't getting along. So we weren't getting along. And we hired a church consultant. Well, Richie, isn't that great that you're airing dirty laundry? Acts 15 is dirty laundry from a church that's not getting along. So how are we going to get along? So I need to illustrate some things today as I smile at you. 
our daughter, Sydney, called this last week. Sydney's married. She's in pharmacy school in Abilene, going to Texas Tech um, Pharmacy School. Justin's working to support them, and they've been members of a church for a year. For a year. No visits from any members, no visits from any deacons, no visits from any shepherds, no visit from any preacher. She said, Dad, it's so difficult to get inside and break through the cliques. Y'all, this, this is a preacher's kid. That breaks my heart. It makes me want to go out there and have a chat with that church. But if you know my daughter, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that. I said, Sydney, here's what you do, sweetie. You go to church Sunday and you find some elders and you go up and say, My name is Sydney Cutter and I've been a member here for a year. Don't forget that. But, you know, I got to thinking, I don't have to travel four hours to encounter that problem. I could have that same chat right here about barriers and difficulties and cliques. And so I have to ask today, are are we making it difficult for people to worship with us? Are we making it difficult for people who want to fit in? Are we making it difficult for people who want to be involved here? Are we making it difficult for people who want this to be the church family? Are we making it difficult? Now listen, those of us who've been here for a long time, we don't get to make that decision. We need to ask the folks who are coming in, are we making this difficult for you? And if we're making it difficult for people turning to God, we're doing something wrong and maybe we need to make some concessions. I didn't say we need to violate Scripture. I said maybe there needs to be some give and take and make some concessions so that people don't find it difficult turning to God and coming to worship here. Matt Haynes says, there's a reason the early church prayed for boldness in the book of Acts. You know why they prayed for boldness? You pray for boldness when you need it. But when you do church the way you've always done it, when you do church just so you can feel good about yourselves and feel better than others, when we continue to put obstacles and barriers and continue to make it difficult for people coming in, you don't need boldness. But when you start asking the tough questions, asking if we're doing anything that makes it difficult or a burden or a barrier, you're going to need some boldness. Are we willing to ask that question? Are we making it difficult? Or do we just want to put it on cruise control and keep doing what we're doing? So let me illustrate. I'm going to go back to the end of chapter 14 as we finish the first missionary journey and we come home to report. And so here's what we find out from Italia. They sailed back to Antioch where they'd been committed to the grace of God for the work they'd now completed on arriving there. They'd gathered church together and reported all that God had done through them and how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. They stayed there a long time with the disciples. God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. God had opened the door of faith. God had opened the door. The problem is the Jews didn't want it open. 
The problem is, this is my synagogue, this is my church. You know, when you open the door, you get all kinds of stuff in. When I was in school at Oklahoma Christian, one year I lived in a dorm that didn't have air conditioning. You know what you do when you don't have air conditioning? You open the door to create a breeze. When you open the door, you get all kinds of bugs and pests and dirt and everything. The one thing we got is the next morning, a couple miles down the road, was a Purina dog food plant. And what we got every morning was the aroma from that dog food plant. You know what happens when you open the door? People come in that we might not like. People come in that are not like us. And you hear things, you hear people saying, you hear people saying, I'm telling you, you hear people saying, I don't like people like that. Sounds like Jews. I don't like people like that in my church. I wish God would have never opened the door. You know what you do when you open the door? You'll put up screens, so at least you can keep some of the stuff out. The problem is, when God opens the door of faith, sometimes church folks want to put up screens. Keep certain things out. Let's keep it just like us. You let people start coming in that believe different than us and, and got different church backgrounds and, and may ask questions that were like, wow, you must not be church of Christ. You start letting people like that in, it makes us uncomfortable. It gets kind of messy. But you know what? When God opens a door, it gets messy. When you have new birth, it gets messy. I don't know if you were in the delivery room when your child was born. But when Spencer was born, I specifically remember not only being excited seeing Spencer coming out with his eyes wide open, not only being excited to see my son, but as they're wheeling Kelly out of the delivery room, I look over and thought, Ew. What is that? That was the mess that comes with birth. You know what you get when God opens the door and people are born into Christ? They may not all believe the same thing and they may not all come from the same background. But you know what God asks us to do in Acts 15? There's got to be some give and take for us to get along. We've got to make some concessions. So are we making it difficult for people who are turning to God? Because sometimes there's people who don't want the doors open. You know, when God opens the door of faith, He doesn't ask for our permission. When God decided, I'm going to let the Gentiles in, He didn't have a meeting with the Jews and say, hey, what do you all think? When Kelly and I decided to have a second child, we didn't ask Spencer, would you like to have a little sister? The answer probably would have been no. If God would have asked the Jews, hey, is it okay with you if I open the door to the Gentiles? They probably would have said no. But God doesn't need our permission to increase His family. I read this week, we should make no apologies for wanting the church to grow because it's God's family. The problem is, when, we open, when God opens the door of faith, there's church folks, there's Jews, there's church folks that get to thinking our job is to be bouncers, to determine who comes in and out, to screen who comes in and out, to ask them questions. And you know what? Just look around. When people start saying things and asking questions and they're not like us, 
people notice. Listen, folks, our, our job's not to be bouncers, our job's to be believers. Baptized believers that are born again into Christ, and when you're born again, it gets messy. I know where you're heading because I've been here for 18 years. So I know what you're thinking. And so I made it a point on Monday to write what I'm fixing to tell you. I wrote my closing argument first. Because I know what you're thinking. You're human. Richie just wants to have a piano in here. Richie just wants to have an organ in here. Richie just wants to have a choir in here. Richie just wants... Let, let, let me be very specific. None of those are my agenda. None. But my agenda is that we not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. And if we're making it difficult in whatever way, if we're not getting along in whatever way, we need to ask folks who are coming in, hey, is it difficult for you to fit in here? Is it difficult for you to get into a small group? Is it difficult for you to get involved? Is it difficult for you to serve? Is it difficult for you? And if they say yes, then we need to repent and make some concessions and do some things differently. My agenda from Acts 15 is I don't want to make it difficult for people who are turning to God. Period. That's my agenda, period. When they walk in the door, I want to do whatever we need to do so it's not difficult for them to feel welcome here, period. When they pull up in the parking lot, I don't want to make it difficult for them in any way to have to be here. When they're roaming through the hallways, I don't want to make it difficult in any way for them to know where they need to go. When they want to get hooked up, when they want to serve, I don't want to make it difficult. That's my agenda, Period. So don't hear anything else. Don't think whatever it is he's wanting to put on stage. I want people turning to God to feel welcome here. And if we need to make some concessions, not violate Scripture, if we need to make some concessions, then we need to make some concessions. So I, I guess my agenda has to do with attitudes. What's our attitude about church? What's our attitude about people? What's our attitude about people coming in? What's our attitude about people who don't believe like us? What's our attitude about... You, you know what? We had this discussion a month ago at an elder deacon staff meeting. Rich, you can't share that information. Too late. <laughs> Guys, listen. There's going to be people who aren't like us. And they might be a little messy. And that's okay. Because as long as they're turning to God and want to improve in their faith and increase in their faith, it's okay. Because I can look at this audience today and I'm going to tell you that maybe you've never heard this before. We're all messy in some way or another. So let's not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. So let me finish with some quotes. This is from Jonathan Stormont. He, he's just a kid. He preaches out in Abilene. You may know Jonathan. He's just a kid. I, I've heard him a couple times. He's way beyond his years. He's got wisdom of a 60-year-old. 
he writes in his book, One of the things we should be cautious of is being part of a church that never makes us feel uncomfortable, one that never stretches us, but always does things the way we grew up doing them. What can happen is that we can become so attached to the forms of the church that we forget the function of the church. If we're not careful, we can lose sight of the fact that God is creating a community of people in which there are no walls and everybody's welcome. For God so loved the world, not just the Jews. For God so loved the world, not just the Pine Tree Church. For God so loved the world, not just people who believe like us. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son because He wants everybody to be saved. And if we're not careful, we can get so used to doing church the same way that we're willing to make no concessions and people walk out the doors. That breaks my heart. From the people nodding their heads today, who I know are already leaving, breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. From the people who say, why is it you guys fight all the time? It breaks my heart. Why can't we just get along? Let's not make it difficult. Let's not make it difficult. So maybe you need to ask yourself the question, and I need to ask myself, am am I the person making it difficult? Are you the person making it difficult? What am I willing to give up? I'll be generic. I was talking with a brother the other day, and I said, is this a hill to die on? He said, I don't know what that means. Are, are, are you willing to fight for it and to stand for it? Is it something that you really need to die on that hill? No. Then make a concession and say it's okay. Let me tell you something. I'm going way too long. I've got to finish Acts 15. There's things that the elders do that I don't like. There's things that the deacons do that I don't like. There's things that Rodney, Brian, Bruce, Juan, Patty, Lori do that I don't like. There's things I do that a lot of people don't like. But you know what? We're family. We're God's family. And there's got to be some give and take. And we need to be sensitive to one another. And the powerful testimony to me in Acts 15 is that now we've got Jews and Gentiles sitting at the same table being a powerful witness for God. And people are looking in at us and looking at Jews and Gentiles saying, how is it that y'all can get along? It's not about being Democrat and Republican. It's about Democrats and Republicans coming together and we can worship together. It's not about what state you're from. It's not about what church you grew up in. It's the fact that we can come together and in a powerful witness, we can say, you know what? There's things that we, we just have give and take. We're not going to make it difficult because our goal is anybody turning to God, which is all of us, we're going to do whatever we need to do. So that's my agenda, in a nutshell. So whatever change you think it is that I'm wanting to fight for, my change is, hey, if there's folks turning to God, what do we need to do 
so that we can be more receptive. I really feel like we need to pray about this. Father in heaven, thank you so much for you. Thank you so much for Jesus who died so not just so that we could have salvation, not just for forgiveness of sins, but so that we could have a commonness, so that we could have fellowship. And, and what we have in common is Jesus, that, that Jesus' believers and followers can come together. And Father, I, I feel a need to repent of anything that we've done to be a burden or a hindrance or a barrier or a screen. Father, help us to remove those things. Help us to see the bigger picture that there's people turning to God and we need to be receptive to those people. So, Father, change our hearts. Father, continue to work in this church. Continue to move through this church. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to change us. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you're a person who's visiting our church and we're making it difficult for you, I just want to say, I'm so sorry. But would you cut us some slack? Because we're human. Would you give us an opportunity to change? And would you fight for what you believe in so that you can be a part of this church family? If you've never named Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we believe that's what it's all about. Because when we have Jesus in common, we can be one and we can be united. And so the reason we want you to be a, a Jesus believer, a baptized believer, is when you are baptized into the waters of baptism, this water up here doesn't cleanse you, but the blood of Jesus cleanses you on the inside. It washes your sins away. And you can start over today. You can be new today. You can stand right before God today, not because of us, but because of Jesus. We've got shepherds that go to the back. I've told you before, they're not perfect men, but they're our leaders. And they're willing to pray for you and with you and embrace you. And you say, you know, I really don't want to come down front. You're more than welcome to go to the back and they'll take you to a private room. If you have something that you need to confess or if you want to be baptized, we want you to come down front. If you need Jesus in any way today, would you please respond as we stand and sing? God 